0: Welcome to Where We Land, a podcast that explores the relationship between Christ, culture, and the church.
1: Hey, welcome to the podcast. My name is Aaron, and I'm joined here in the studio with my co-host Laura. Hey. And Stephen. Hey, everybody. And welcome to the 50th episode as we are talking about emotions today. So we hope you'll join us for the full discussion ahead. Can you believe it? It has been 50 episodes. And I know, Laura, you nope, kind of jumped me, in for but a little congrats, bit, of guys. But uh, it's man, the 50th episode. it's of the golden land. anniversary? The golden anniversary? Yes. I don't think we can. I think, can, that's I think only podcasting when you're recording is like different I, than that. I think that. it's okay. I think it's okay. Where do we go for already at gold? Like we, Uh, I think the next one's diamond.
2: (laughs) You know, those get real weird. There's like a cotton anniversary. Hey, speaking of uh,
1: anniversaries, do you guys do the whole like what you should give your spouse every year? Like if like sometimes it's wood. I know someone who does that. Gold. You know what I'm saying? Like,
2: see,
0: I have no idea what we're talking about. So no. (laughs) (laughs) Do you really not know? (laughs) No, come on. Okay,
2: so what you're talking about with like a golden anniversary? There's an like an anniversary what substance? Is there a better word for every Every single year? year. Yeah, every year. Well, our mutual pottery. Our mutual friends, Chris and Sarah.
0: Ah, yes. They do
2: this every year. Like if the anniversary is wood. He okay, gives her a I've gift heard made him talk about this before. She, yes.
0: This makes so much sense now because yes. he's always big you on the substance, and
1: I was like, "You're weird." <laughs> Not <laughs> gonna lie, I, okay, we so haven't this makes done sense. it. Jessica and I haven't it. Maybe we've done it a couple of anniversaries, mm-hmm. but I would think if like you commit to saying, "Hey, we're going to do this every year for anniversary gifts," it probably would like take a lot of pressure yeah. off. Do, do any of you guys have pressure like buying gifts? Like, yes. I, like, what do I get this person? Oh my goodness, I'm a terrible
2: gift I giver. Know, oh,
1: Jessica puts me to shame. Like, she is probably. the best gift giver I have ever met like she is just so creative she just knows what she to get people she knows people and it's so good and I feel like I struggle to like so every time it's like anniversary birthday like first like a couple weeks before you know I should probably like do this like months before knowing mm-hmm. like my tendencies but I go into like just like I just shut down it's like oh my goodness, what am I supposed to do here? And I build it up too much, and I just I'm just not a good gift I giver. I remember I helped you
0: with one of your gifts once. Yeah, you we just helped us the, with the recent we uh, anniversary the trip. It's not... we came up with the gift. It was awesome. I don't know what Jessica they're laughing about. It. No, now it, was it a gets I was like, to know that I gave, I gave came Stephen up the this
1: ultimatum. I was like, so <laughs> hey man, this is what I'm thinking about for an anniversary gift. And Stephen looked at me, he's like, is that it? And I was like, oh yeah, that's probably bad then. I was like, but my other idea was, what if I took her on like this trip to like charleston he's like you're never gonna go wrong with the trip and i remember like yeah i like i built this like elaborate board of all these places that we were gonna travel to Oh, Oh, he did it like he did an incredible job job. and i just know here's the thing i know like for my wife if, if if i need an incredible gift it's always just like a trip if i she loves that Okay. So, but and she like She liked it. But I can't do that all the time, guys.
2: So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you should go to the substance gifts. <laughs> I might need it, it to. Gives some guidelines. Okay. Here. Well, hey, okay. today okay.
1: we're talking about actually sadness. Which, speaking and, uh, of
2: sadness, Stephen's uh, crocs and socks are making hey, me sad. Today. Did you know?
0: Did you? And <laughs> they make me sad every did day. Did you know? You can laugh at this, and I know you will we are but you can't even defend your crocs. Family. don't even try and socks are actually coming back so i was at camp <laughs> Why this past you week say
2: that? no i was at camp this past <laughs> no, week with college thing.
0: age and high school kids they're starting to wear crocs but and socks Steven, again
2: how old are you yeah, you are exactly. not 15 it's <laughs>
0: hey
1: here's the deal okay it's okay when you're like 12 the deal. man like you're here's you know. the deal
0: i'm getting to the point in my life where i'd rather be comfortable than trendy <laughs> Do you know you what my Crocs wife says about Crocs? they are the most really comfortable young shoe. to
2: be there. They're
0: the most comfortable shoe I've ever had. And I wear them so much that like Crocs can get like dust inside of them and your feet can get dirty. So I wear socks to keep the dust off my feet. So it's like a win-win.
1: I love what my wife says about Crocs. She's like, see, you see all those holes? That's where your dignity leaks it's out. true. <laughs> <laughs> hey,
0: I am I great you. with that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love my comfort too much to I care. She's actually
1: said that to you a number of times. She has. To, <laughs> but we just, we you just actually go back and you forth. own the Crocs, but but Laura and I today are definitely feeling some sadness. It's okay over your sense of Y'all style. will be fine. It's okay. I play. I play, I play faded, basketball. Crocs. Just for a
2: mental picture, guys. They are faded camo Crocs and black socks. Well,
0: well up to his like knees. Yes, they're, they're very tall they're, like, socks. They're faded yeah. because I wear these in the woods. I wear them playing basketball. I wear them. I mean, Crocs are literally the ultimate
1: all-around shoe.
2: Are you buying it, Aaron?
1: I'm. I'm just gonna have to agree to disagree here. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. If we had a heresy but- button, you know that. <laughs>
2: <It's> like <laughs> we talked about getting a heresy Actually, button, we guys. I thought that would
1: be really cool. Yeah. And, it, and if you think that would be cool on the podcast, let us know because get some uh, feedback. It would be cool to. It we, would be really we, fun to buzz we, each other. Heresy Some buzzer. sounds, you know. Yeah. And not that I'm just totally kidding. That totally wouldn't be one. That's. But, uh, <laughs> I mean, it could. <laughs> be. I just I, it feel, could be, I just though. feel like. I feel like we're needing a. I uh, think
2: Aaron, you would get like. Button happy with the heresy button. Maybe really enjoy <laughs> Maybe, it a little too I? much.
1: <laughs> okay, so let's let's talk about sadness. We yes. we actually started this mini series last week about emotions and talking about the emotions that really we have as created beings made in God's image, and yet all of us our uh, our emotions are are distorted, and so. Uh, our our emotions are not really a good reflection of reality a lot of times i think uh, how we respond to things is always probably often probably not always a good thing so laura maybe set up our discussion today of where we want to go with uh, emotions
2: well we live in a world that is ravaged by the long-term effects of sin and brokenness i don't think anybody would argue with that Um, as a result sorrow is a common human experience. Would you agree? Mm, Yes. Yeah. So if we agree that it's our reality, something we're going to experience throughout our lifetime because we live in a broken world, then the question comes up, how should a believer process the human experience of sadness? Mm.
1: Okay. So when we talk about sadness today, could you give us a little definition of what we're talking about?
2: Sure. Um, It's pretty simple. Merriam-Webster's dictionary defines sadness as the feeling or showing of sorrow or unhappiness.
1: So when people experience sadness, what do you think is often kind of like their default response to that? Like when they when they feel that emotion, uh, you know, of sorrow, of unhappiness, what, what what's kind of our default response?
2: I think that that depends on your personality. How do you mm-hmm. process your – are you a verbal processor? Are you a person that thinks things through yourself? Like what about you guys? What is your default? Mine is probably verbal processing – Not with sometimes with friends or whatever. My, I'm more of like a verbal processor
0: for anything to do with emotions. I am a either ignore it or cover it type person. So, how's that
2: that work out for you?
0: Well, Emily (laughs) is not right. So, my wife is very much the opposite. She is, we need to talk about every square millimeter of this in order to process it. And I'm like, okay, I really don't want to talk about feelings at all. So, it's helped me stretch me and grow me in that. And it's been a positive thing for me. But when it comes to feelings, like I am not like generally my emotions are not like the most verbalized or exterior part of me. They're generally very internal. So I've had to work on talking about it with specifically my wife and then learning how to kind of process those things a little bit more outwardly than always internal what mm.
2: about you aaron
1: i think initially i'm probably like pretty internal about it i think i um i kind of work through it privately and then i probably am a verbal processor with people that i trust and so um i, I know there's a there's a couple people that you know if there's something i just look back at my life like things that have been uh hurtful or sad experiences like things you, there's been people that i've been able to talk through hmm that with. And that's, I think that's been a good thing for me. I, I am a verbal type of person. So like being able to talk it out and work it through, it's and, helpful. It, 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 it just helps me th- clarify mm-hmm. my thoughts on it. You know, I think when we think about sadness, would you guys say that this is also, um, kind of like lament? Like when the Bible mm-hmm. talks about, what do you think, Laura? Like when, mm-hmm. when the Bible talks about like,
2: I, when I think ser- of, so I think of sorrow as one thing and then right? lament, it, would you agree that it's like to me lament is some form of grieving, like the next step of sorrow.
1: Okay. Not so, just having the emotion, but I
2: think we have the emotion of sorrow, but then what right. happens is while we're dealing with it, whether you're a verbal processor or not, you're, there is lament, and I think it's the next step in the process. Do you think so? Do you agree?
1: Yeah, I would say so. I think when people experience sadness in life, we probably um, you know, it's it's probably, you know, a sense of you know, when the d- the definition you use there is a, is a feeling of unhappiness, mm-hmm. I think it's probably accompanied by like unmet expectations, right? Mm-hmm. So like either we were let down by somebody or we had an expectation built that it, it, life didn't live up to. And so, you know, we were let down by that. We were sad by it. W- but I think it's helpful for us as we consider sadness to look at the life of Christ mm-hmm. uh, because, you know. We talked about last time on the podcast that, you know, for anger, uh, there's a, there's a anger of man, but then there's there's a righteous anger. And I think Jesus gives us a really good picture of of sadness, but in a really in a perfect way, if we could use it that that way.
2: Mm-hmm. Well, um, the prophet Isaiah, he spoke these words about Jesus about 700 years before he even walked the earth. So before we go on to like examples we see in the gospels of Jesus experiencing sadness, We can look at what Isaiah said about him um, a long time before he walked the earth. And it says that he, Jesus, was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hid their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not. And that's from Isaiah 53, but he's called a man of sorrows. What do you think about that?
1: Yeah, well, because you think about, you know, the night that and not just the night before Jesus died on the cross, but specifically that night as he was there with his disciples in the garden of Gethsemane and you, you hear Jesus, um, you see really kind of the words there in, 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 um, in verse 36, it says, then Jesus went with them to the place called Gethsemane. He said to his disciples, sit here while I go over there and pray and taking with them, Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, he began notice the Bible says to be sorrowful and troubled. And in verse 38, he said to them, my soul is very sorrowful, even to death. Remain here and watch with me. And going a little further, he fell on his face and prayed, saying, my father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. And so I think you, you, we, we see, we get a glimpse of, of the sorrow that Jesus felt like that night before his death.
2: See, and I wonder what was he sorrowing about? Because when mm. I think about if this was me. I would be terrified. It doesn't say he's terrified. It says he's sorrowful and troubled. Hmm. What is he sorrowful about?
0: Well, if you look in the life of Christ, I believe you're going to you're going to see a burden for people pop mm-hmm. up in his life. Like I think of the famous uh shortest verse in the Bible Jesus wept, right? And people always want to talk about, well, what was Jesus weeping over? So some people are like Oh, well, there were, he was weeping because he was human. And even though he knew he was going to raise Lazarus, he still was weeping for Lazarus because he was a friend. Then others will say, well, it was because of the unbelief of those around him. um, And he was weeping because that saddened him. And uh, whatever you believe that Jesus was weeping over in that passage. Okay. There's a couple of different logical explanations there that people might hold. Jesus still showed that he has a burden for people in the in that verse his 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 weeping over his. people shows his emotion of sadness and his burden for people. I believe Jesus carried a burden of sorrow for the world that he came to save. Mm-hmm. And I think if you read throughout the gospels you're going to see that Jesus was burdened for people. He would pray for them. He would go and seek the Lord for them and I believe that Jesus, when he comes to the end of his life, his sorrow in many cases might be for what he's about to endure. Yes, because there's going to be separation from the father. No I, question. I, I believe that. that. Mm-hmm. I believe there's also there's sorrow for those that he's come to save mm. who will turn their back on him and sorrow for those who have unbelief, you know, because um, I believe Jesus, his sorrow was multiple fold there mm. in that moment.
2: But we see him have being moved by emotion whether it be compassion you see he's moved by compassion when he looks on the crowds of people and they're like sheep not having a shepherd he's motivated his sorrow his compassion is motivated by his love for people and you also see that in that passage you're talking about in john 11 where lazarus has died which is his friend we see lazarus so there's lazarus mary and martha they're brothers and sisters and they were close friends of jesus and we we can see that throughout scripture I find it really comforting that in this passage, he knows Lazarus has died. He's been dead three days. And then Jesus shows up on the scene, and he comes across Mary, who is you know Lazarus's sister, also Jesus's friend. And she comes up, and she's desperate, and it says she falls at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. Hmm. And he said, where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. So the Jews said, see how he loved him. I think they thought he was weeping because Lazarus had died. Hmm. I think, and this is maybe just me, he was wrecked by Mary's grief. I think that Jesus has compassion and sorrow towards us in our own grief in this broken experience we're living in
1: yeah well i think we i love this passage there in john 11 because we see we, we really get to peer into the humanity of christ mm-hmm. right and see this real emotion of sadness and how it affected him and, and we see jesus weeping right and and ultimately whether he's weeping for lazarus or he's weeping for the jews or he's weeping for mary ultimately it's it's because of the love mm-hmm. you know that he had for those people and so um, I guess the question then we could really kind of ask, and maybe we could just kind of segue here then, is then, well, what should be the response in our life to sadness? Right. So as we think about the, the moments in life that, that that we feel let down or we feel saddened by something, what 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 is the Bible saying to that uh, as a response to the Christian? I, I think we need to begin with a couple of verses uh, that talk about sorrow in the life of a Christian. Let me give you two of them. One of them is found in 1 Thessalonians. Another one is found in the book of Psalms. So in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, notice what Paul says. He says, but we do not want you to be uninformed, brethren, about those who are asleep, so that you will not grieve or sorrow, as do the rest who have no hope. And notice that connection there between grief, sadness, and hope. And then you see again in in Psalms 43, The psalmist says, why are you in despair, O my soul, and why are you disturbed within me? Hope in God, for I shall praise him again, the help of my countenance and my God. So in both of these passages, when we think about sorrow in the life of a Christian, the Bible is making this really strong connection between grief and sorrow and hope. Why is that? Well,
0: I believe it's because that um, sadness and grief and happiness. These are emotions, but hope and joy are attitudes of life. You read in John 15 and Jesus, um, he's going to, it's in the upper room. He's about to leave his disciples. They've already experienced a little bit of weirdness because Judas has left. And so they don't, they have a lot of questions, but no answers so far. And, um, Jesus addresses his disciples. And he tells them, I've said these things to you after he's talked to them about abiding in Christ and loving one another, he says, I've said all these things to you that my joy might be in you and that your joy might be full. And the passages like this and first Thessalonians show me that I, as a Christian can experience sorrow. I can, hmm. um, I will, <laughs> later in John 15, Jesus says the world's going to hate you. Okay. Well, I'm going to experience sorrow. I'm going to experience sadness. But as a believer, my joy and my hope should not be tainted by the emotion of sadness and grief that I am facing Mm -hmm. Uh, because my joy and my hope are given to me by the Lord Jesus Christ. They're given to me by God and my hope is in God. And so thus I will be sad. I mean, it it is sad when we lose someone in our life, you know, Mm -hmm. and I was thinking back through that this week. Just of like people that I've lost in my life, right? And I was out uh, speaking at a camp, and there was a camp director of mine who was a friend of mine, and he wasn't there this week because he died three years ago. Mm -hmm. And I was thinking about loss and how that is sad, right? There is sadness, and And it doesn't
2: diminish our sadness. It doesn't sadness; it's our experience.
0: Sadness and grief should be experienced, and I love what you said earlier about lamenting. Like I think oftentimes in Christian circles, we downplay sadness to where it's like, you shouldn't be sad. And it's like, well, no, like you probably should be sad if you lost. So, and so like now, Mm -hmm. should you have hope that you'll see them again and be joyful? Yes. But the fact that you're experiencing sadness over the, over losing somebody, that's not a wrong or sinful emotion. Now, I do think that you can look in scripture and you can see that if you have the wrong relationship between your hope, your joy, and your sadness, that you can enter into a place that is not healthy as a Christian, where you let your sadness overtake your joy or you let your sadness overtake your hope
2: or the flip side, like you're saying where you let your hope diminish the natural process of grieving. Yeah. So I think as believers, we experience a paradox of sorrow, of grief, of lament and also hope.
1: Yes. Why, why is it though that maybe you are right, I think, Stephen. Oftentimes, even within the church, there seems to be maybe more of a push for people to, to really live in a state of joy, live in a state of hope. And that's commanded. Sure. Truly is commanded. Yeah, why is it that maybe, you know, when we read this, I just say this, like when you read the book of Psalms and you look at the psalmist and you see just like this real raw experience of emotion. I mean, I think that's why I love the Psalms, because like while a lot of different books of the Bible... You know, uh, the the book of Psalms is just unique in the sense that we we get a peer into somebody's real raw state of emotion and their prayers, like their response to God. And actually, when you read the Psalms, I mean, yeah, there's a lot of overtones of hope and joy. But but I would say more often than not, when you read specifically a lot of the Psalms of David, I mean, you just get him pouring out his. His sadness before God, like real raw broken emotion. So why is it that that – is there a place, I guess, in the church for for us to um, to to grieve in that way? I mean, to, to have – I mean, it seems to be that a lot of times that, that does get pushed quickly to the side. What do you guys think about that?
2: Why do you think we push it to the side? Because we don't want to deal with it or we feel like maybe –
0: I think that you could find a couple of reasons. Okay, I think one would be we we don't want the we don't want a person to unhealthily deal with their sadness in the way in the opposite way of to where they wallow in sadness for the rest of their life. Okay, and I do not mean to be insensitive when I say that. I just am saying that I've known people who have, they've had something happen to them and they refuse to move past it for the rest of their days. And it eats them alive, and they refuse to have joy and hope, and instead, Mm -hmm. they do not. They never process their sadness. And I think also that's part of
2: moving through stages of grief. Like you have to go through them in order to move to the other side. I think
0: on the flip side of that, I think that the church might have gone to the opposite extreme at times to protect from one extreme, and so we go to the other extreme, which is not right. Right, Mm -hmm. and I think sometimes too. People don't always don't know how to deal with sad. We don't like to be sad. We don't know how to deal I with think, the paradox, and yeah. we're like, "How do I deal with the paradox?" And so our instant thing is like, "Well, let's be joyful and let's not be sad." But there are times, and Aaron, I agree with you. There should be times because the Bible says there are seasons. There's time to weep. There's a time to yeah, laugh. In Book of Ecclesiastes. Yes. And if you can't weep at church. Mm -hmm. where can you weep at? And that's been my question recently. If you can't have somebody come up to you at church and you can't weep with them or hug on them and love on them in their sadness, then where, where in the world can they go Mm -hmm. then? I think we're
1: robbing people of a place of hope. Like, you know, the church ought to be a place, uh, a place of safety, a place where, where people can work through their emotions and, uh, have, have have hope and encouragement to surround them in the midst of that. Mm-hmm. Sadly, I think oftentimes the church is like Job's three friends mm-hmm. in the Old Testament. Like we, we don't know what it means to enter into true sorrow with somebody. And and I think oftentimes we say things when we just need to shut up, mm-hmm. you know, like, I mean, if I can say that so kindly, but like we, we don't know what to say. And so often when we say something, it just it, it whatever you say, it cannot penetrate to that depth of sorrow and and i think we would do a lot of good to look at you know the response of job's three friends and oftentimes when people people want to try and fix things in the church they're like didn't
2: job's friends am i wrong didn't didn't they sit with him for a while and then they started talking i think if i remember right they were there and they were sitting in sadness but then they they started to say things that were just not helpful in well, any way.
1: Well, yeah, but the Bible says to like weep with those that yeah. are weeping. It's so, like they
2: started in the good place, yeah. but then they ended up opening their mouths when they shouldn't have.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, you know, the Bible calls us in the New Testament, right? We're sorrowful yet rejoicing. Mm-hmm. I think about the book of Lamentations. We haven't even talked about that. Right. I mean, there's did, a whole
2: book a about whole book lament.
1: About lament. We'll <laughs> yeah. probably have to do a podcast on that later. But, you know, you think about the devastation that was happening in that day
2: mm-hmm. and
1: the sorrow that was abounding and, 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 and all just the... Pain and sadness, but the Book of Lim- Limitations in chapter three says, "But I call this to mind, and therefore I have hope." And, and the setting hadn't changed, right? Right. I mean, the circumstance hadn't changed, but it, but it was this recollection that you call to mind in the midst. I mean, I think that's where we see us working through sadness. It's mm-hmm. not like Stephen was saying wallowing in our sadness, but in the midst of our grief. In the midst of our sadness, we're calling something to mind. Well, what are we calling to mind? There's something that gives us hope. Mm -hmm. Verse 22, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. And yet, you know, for Jeremiah, he woke up the next morning and he looked out on the devastation of his people and he certainly didn't see the mercy of God, right? Yeah. But he recalled to mind what God had said, and it was that that gave him hope. And so I think when we're feeling sadness, the first thing we got to do is acknowledge our sadness, you know, acknowledge that it's there, not push it to the side, to be able to express our sadness, both to the Lord in prayer. The Psalmist says in verse 38, chapter 38 uh, of the book of Psalms, verse nine: oh Lord, all my longings is before you. My sigh is not hidden from you. So there's this. There should be in the midst of our sadness this expression both to the Lord and in the community of the church that He has placed us in. Galatians chapter 6, to bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ, right? So so how else do we move through sadness? We 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 acknowledge it, we we express it, but and then I think what we just reference there in Lamentations, there's this aspect of recounting the faithfulness mm-hmm. of God. The psalmist actually says it again in Psalm 143. I remember the days of old. I meditate on all that you've done, and I ponder all the works of your hands. And
2: you know, I think we see over and over in the Old Testament that Israel's greatest sin sin was forgetting. Mm -hmm. And so recounting God's faithfulness is just so important, I think, as we process the sorrow in our lives.
1: So how does a person, you know, um, sadness is a, you know, I, I guess when we think about the emotions in the series that we're in, emotions aren't one of those things that you can just turn off and on. Right, right, I mean, I think a lot of times we try to treat them like that mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. like if we can just flip a switch, then it's then we'll turn that off and turn it on, but our, our responses are our, our emotions are often the first things that we deal with, and probably the last things that catch up to where our mind is at.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: wouldn't you guys say that? well, mm-hmm. yeah,
0: and you can turn off your emotional responses many times, but the emotions you're feeling inside you can't turn off. I think it's a better way to say that because sometimes people just be like, "Oh, I can turn off my emotions and they don't say anything. Well, that doesn't mean that you turned off your emotions. That just means you turned off your response. And so you still have to go home and live with yourself. (laughs) And so you have to be able to deal with that. So, um, I agree with everything that's been said here, um, so far about just practically dealing with it. But I think that as Christians, we must, we must worship God and draw near to him. And we also, we need to focus on the comforter, if you look in the Bible, the Holy Spirit has been given to the children of God as the comforter, the one who comes alongside and uplifts, teaches, and guides. Like, look at his name and how how the Holy Spirit's name is used, specifically in John 15 and 14, and uh, I believe it's also 18 or 17. It's one of the 17 or 18. The Holy Spirit is described as the one who comes alongside of. I mean, John 14, 26, but the help for the helper, the comforter, the advocate, the intercessor, the counselor, strengther, strengthener, like look up that word there, the comforter, the Holy spirit, whom the father will sit in my name to re- And it says, he will help you remember everything. He'll teach you all things. Uh, the Holy spirit is often overlooked and he is the greatest, um, the greatest advocate for the child of God who is going through grief He's often overlooked as the child of God goes through grief.
1: So let me, let me ask you guys this question then. How has the spirit of God comforted you in the midst of a time of sadness in your life? I mean, when you, when you think about it and, and he is that person, right? He is the comforter. He's the one that God has sent it's, it's to dwell within us. Right. I mean,
2: I think that for me, when I think of a difficult time in my life where the Holy spirit was comforting me, it felt like steadiness, Like steadiness in the midst of grief. It felt like I could own the emotions that I had, but he was steadily with me Mm -hmm. and reminding me, like it says in John 14, that he will help you remember everything that I have told you. So, listening to the Holy Spirit, who will bring to mind the truths that we know about God. So, that was the steadiness that He brings word. in the yeah. midst of grief. I yeah. would echo that.
0: I was going to say presence and peace because there's mm-hmm. been times of like sadness where I'm just like, I don't know what to say, God. And so, literally, I've been like, Holy Spirit. The Bible says that you will intercede on my behalf. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> right. we're going to have to have you interceding on my behalf right now because I am in the midst of sadness and I don't know what to say. There's no words. So I need your presence. I need your peace, you know? And I think that there's a presence and peace that the Holy Spirit provides that's just comforting. And yeah. there's no other word to describe it. So um, believers, it's just comforting.
2: we live in, again, that paradox between sorrow, we sorrow, but we have hope. We we are rejoicing because of what we know to be true, that the Holy Spirit brings to to remembrance, um, to steady us. But in Matthew 5, I think a good verse to close out on is, is it also sounds like a paradox. Jesus says, blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted.
1: And that's just a, a great promise, right? Mm-hmm. Like in the midst of our mourning, God is there and he is steadiness. I think that's such a great word because I know looking back at my life moments when I've experienced real deep sorrow and you know, you don't have a reason for it. I think that's what often people struggle with. They want to know the why. And so anytime things happen in their life where they begin to feel sorrow over something, they're, they're constantly trying to search for the reason. I think I would just encourage you like, Hey, don't spend your time searching for the reason, but, but just spend your time seeking, The one who knows the reason, you know, and it's, and you may not this side of eternity and even that side of eternity may never, may never understand the reason for some of those things, but, but you can have a relationship, an intimate relationship with God that, that he will, he will give you hope and he will strengthen you. I mean, it, it does require you calling something to mind. I mean, I think, I think Jeremiah is right in that you, you look out on the devastation. He did. He looked out on the devastation of his city real sorrow, real lament, real grief. But what changed his attitude was was being able to to recall something. And it was the promise of what God at that moment would do in his people. But for you and I today in the church, like we have the promise of the Holy Spirit who dwells within us. And I think it's it's allowing him to guide us and lead us, to shepherd us in moments in life where we don't know the reason why, but we're allowing ourselves to be comforted with the comfort that God himself can give. Well, listen, hey, we hope that today's been an encouragement to you as you've considered your emotions and as we've kind of worked through the emotion of sadness. And maybe you would just take that promise of what the Bible gives in Psalm 34, verse 18. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted, and he saves the crushed in spirit. Thank you for listening to Where We Land, Christ, Culture, and the Church. Hey, if there's anything we talked about on the show today that you would like to know more about, we would love to connect with you. So find us online at whereweland.org, or you can find us on Instagram and Facebook. We would love to connect with you there. And maybe here's a point of application, a way that you can connect with us would be simply to reach out to us on social media. And let us know of maybe an an upcoming topic or something that you might be interested to hear us consider on where we land. We would love to hear from you, and we hope to see you here next time on the podcast. We'll see you then.